Hey everybody, it's always a joy to bring the word. Seriously, this has been such a treat doing church on Zoom. Uh, be it whatever format you're watching us or tuning in, be it on church on Zoom, be it on Facebook, be it on YouTube. And I'm just so blessed by the stories and the testimonies and uh, I'm just in great anticipation of what God is really doing among us through what we're creating in this thing called Church on Zoom. But this morning, we're kicking off a mini-series and it's a series on the grace of God and we're calling it Amazing Grace. And you know that word, Amazing Grace, you know, if you've been in church circles for long enough, uh, you know, we've sung songs about it. Uh, but really, I, I, I want to capture the amazing aspect of grace. I think we all have a sense of understanding. Even as I was preparing this message, uh, I had to sort of return back to, wow, this is so powerful. This is more powerful. Like sometimes we can lose uh, the wonder even of that. And so I want to really, uh, this might sound like a really simple message, but I really believe it's going to be powerful. It's going to be a powerful journey over the next two weeks. If you have friends in your world that struggle in understanding this, I'd really encourage for you to be getting in touch with them and asking them to lean in because I believe this is going to be pretty powerful. Whenever the word grace is used, there's multiple emotions that we have. Uh, you know, if you've been in church circles long enough, there's multiple emotions like yeah, grace is awesome or like I heard about someone that walked in deception because of excessive grace. And I've I, recently a pastor wrote a book called Greasy Grace. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> grace with extra chips and oil. Greasy grace. And so there's a lot of so depending on on your journey, if you've been a Jesus follower long enough, there's there's all these different understandings and mindsets on the topic of grace. And I found that really Having a, having a handle on this topic is quite essential and foundational in really understanding not just life, but our most, more, more than anything, our relationship with God. Your relationship with God can be greatly affected if you do not understand this. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to dive into the book of Romans, just going to look at one small scripture. And I want to highlight the book of Romans and the book of Ephesians, because I've been spending a lot of time in these books. And I want you to understand that Romans and Ephesians are the signature books of, of Paul. Uh, if you read the books that Paul has written, uh, there's something significant. It's almost like it's a, it's a signature work. And both of them, Romans and Ephesians, really talk about the outworking of grace, understanding grace. And if you are a new Christian, I would encourage you to be reading the book of John and then the book of Romans. Powerful, powerful books. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, we find these words. And the words are, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greeks. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now the word the gospel is actually the Greek word and it's actually a rare word. So we know the word gospel. You know, gospel is, is a genre of music, gospel singer. Uh, but gospel, it was not as popular. That word gospel was not as popular in the times of, of Paul. So when he actually used that word, it was one of those un unusual words you use when it comes to God. And the word gospel actually means nearly too good to be true. Nearly too good to be true. Uh, it's, so some people say the gospel is good news. I would say it's not just good news. It is crazy news. It's unbelievable news. It is too good to be true. Now you may wonder, I'm using the word gospel and I'm trying to explain the word grace. 
because in our circles we use the word gospel and the word grace as two distinct things but when Paul spoke about grace and he spoke about the word gospel he actually used them interchangeably you'll read that in the book of Acts you'll read that throughout in Paul's writing he would use it interchangeably and so when Paul was saying I'm not ashamed of the gospel what he was actually saying was I'm not ashamed of the grace of God I'm not ashamed of the grace of God for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Think about that. So what I want to do for the rest of our time is I want to share three thoughts around grace. Here's the first one. I've sort of already built a foundation, but here's my first thought. Grace is better than I think. Grace is better than I think. So you know that thought that you have upon grace, like, like whatever experience you've encountered with grace, it's actually better. Is actually better than the, even the great encounter. Maybe you were bound in sin. Maybe you had a drug addiction. Maybe you had all these issues. Maybe you had all sorts of things and God saved you. And that experience was quite prominent. That experience was quite radical. I want you to multiply that by another thousand times. It's better than even that experience. Now, whenever we use these words like, salvation or the word gospel there are these religious even without us knowing there are these religious understandings that we have uh, be it whatever church circles that we're in religion has this funny way of creeping into any circle I, I hear a lot of people say well we're not a religious church well it's not that way religion is not this thing that we choose or we are religious or we're not religious religion can be like weeds that just grow in the backyard you really don't need to do anything as you just take its course without us recognizing it religion can creep in and so when we use words like salvation and the word gospel, uh, you know, we can have these different, we, can, we think we have an understanding of it, but we don't. I remember in my early 20s, I was with a really renowned man of God. And it was the first time I was actually being uh, ordained. He was ordaining me in the US. And I remember I was with him. And if I can be really honest, this man, if I were to say his name, he's not, no more now, he's gone to be with God. But, but if I were to say his name, people would recognize him. Uh, but can I just be honest, as a, as a young 20-year-old, I was trying to impress him. So as I was talking, and I didn't even know I was impressing him. We were talking, we, I spent two, two to three days with him. I actually stayed in his house. It was a powerful moment we, we, we had together. And, and, and I was talking about, you know, because some of you know my story, I started really young and I've sort of walked with God and haven't had too much of a crazy, I don't know what you call a crazy testimony. Uh, and I was just sort of sharing, you know, what God's done in my life and what God's done. This and, and I remember in his, in his own sweet way, he said, can you share with me a time when you failed? Can you share with me a time? And he took it up a notch. He said, can you share with me a time when you sinned? Uh, and he actually called out like, have you struggled with this? And he, and he did it in the most gentlest way. He wasn't like, I see in my spirit, you do. Like, has there been a moment? And I said, and, and there wasn't too much, to be honest, there wasn't too much. And there was some that I was not even wanting to give because that was in my train of thought. And, and, and he sort of said, the reason I'm asking is because I want to remember, I want you to think about the times you experienced God's grace greatest. Here I was trying to, you know, throw out my CV, throw out my res resume. I mean, this guy's going to about to ordain me. Uh, you know, it was almost like there was something in me that was seeking approval. And, and this old, at that point in his 80s, 80-year-old man was just reminding me of the simplicity of the gospel, that it's too good to be true, that everything that we have, everything that we sit on, everything that God has, God has given us is too good to be true. And I'm asking because... I want us to be thinking about what are the areas in our lives we've lost 
Because I don't know if you realize this, but we have a legalistic mindset. Let me break that down. You're like, no, I'm not legalistic. It's not your fault. We live in a legalistic world. Our schools, I mean, we've got a, our daughter in prep now. Our schools are legalistic. You do good, you get an award. If you do bad, you get punished. I mean, it's legalistic. Our offices are legalistic. Our, our judicial system is legalistic. I mean, our courts have to be legalistic. So we live in a world that is legalistic in nature, and that's the best system our world has found to operate, understandably. But Christ Jesus brings a whole different dimension when He's given us this thing that He says, it is more than you can handle because it's too good to be true. Here's my second thought. Grace leads us to repentance. Grace leads us to repentance. What do I mean by this? Maybe you're watching and you're like, yeah, come on, pastor, preach it. I can do whatever I want to do. Grace has given me a license. Grace. But here's the thing, right? When you really receive good uh, news that is so good to receive, you are just flabbergasted. You're just dumbfounded. You're just sort of like, how in the world? It's sort of like when you, when you marry someone who's way beyond your league. Sort of like, how did that person even say yes to me? How did that person? And you're so like mesmerized by the fact that they said yes, that you're going to spend the rest of your life, uh, you know, humbly serving them, humbly loving them, humbly caring for them, humbly giving them the best. And that is what grace is supposed to do. See, natural by natural human default, we are wired to be uh, sin conscious. We are wired to be legalistic. I remember one of the moments I was awakened to this reality. Uh, it was when we were actually opening up our first church bank account. We were in the Commonwealth Bank and, and, and we were setting up this bank account. And, and, and this was the moment where I was inviting everyone from the person who was doing our real estate to the person we were leasing from to the person. Every person's a potential candidate to come to our church. And there was this, uh, this beautiful old lady serving us. And, and she just seemed like the simplest of souls. And we invited her. And I remember her words. She said, oh, if I come to church, the walls will come down. The lightning, will, I'll be hit by lightning. Like, like, and I just asked, hey, just a minute, can you, can you explain to me, do you have a church background? She had zero church background. But somehow, somewhere, she got the notion that if she were to walk through the church, that lightning would strike, the walls would... And I just began to realize that our world, that's the reputation that the world has when it comes to God. So in other words, we all have a default level of consciousness of our sin. And so God's job is not just to bring up the consciousness of all the sin that we carry. I think we're well and truly aware of the sin that we carry. But I want to point a little story in the Bible. And the story in the Bible is between Jesus and one of his potential disciples called Peter. So in Luke chapter 5, there's a story where Jesus is preaching and he's talking to the crowd and multitudes are coming. He enters the boat of this fisherman called Peter. Peter had been fishing, as the Bible says, all night had no success, zero success, was given up. Jesus steps into his boat, never for a moment challenges him about the way he talked, never challenged him about the tattoos that he had, never challenged him about his foul language, never challenged him about how he had not gone to church, none of that. Jesus gets into his boat and just tells him where to fish. The Bible says that he had such an explosion that the, the boat couldn't handle the harvest of fish. And what is amazing is the next portion of scripture that I want to read because in Luke chapter 5 verse 8 it says but when Simon Peter saw that what is that that was the goodness of Jesus that the moment he walked into my boat he did not judge me he did not call me names he just blessed me the moment he saw that he fell down at his feet at Jesus feet saying go away from me for I am a sinful man isn't that amazing 
Jesus did not even address his sin, but the goodness of God led Peter unto repentance. And that's what the Bible says. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. That's what grace does. When, when you come truly in contact with grace, you cannot help but repent. The natural progression of a person that's truly encountered grace is repentance. It's like, man, God is so good. I don't deserve this. Like, how in the world can I? And, 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 and when we are having this mindset of, oh, yeah, you know, I, sh I deserve this or I should deserve this. I don't, and all that sort of thing. When we have that mindset, we're actually looking inward. We're looking at what we've done and what we've not done. But grace is this incredible thing where it's like, you are so, like, you know, you don't deserve this. And we know that. But what grace does is great, grace empowers us and reveals Jesus to us. Now here's my third point. My third point, I'm going to share my third point and then it'll, it'll probably, as I explain it, it'll, it'll help you understand what I'm trying to say. My third point is this, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Now we've seen this on titles, we've seen this on t-shirts. In fact, at one point in my Insta Instagram uh, description bio had that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Now here's what I'm trying to say. So many times, especially when we begin a relationship with God, uh, we, we have this incredible encounter with God where it's sort of like, I don't deserve anything. Uh, God has been so good to me. God has been so gracious to me. But what begins to happen is we enter into this place where we start piling up. So what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is like, okay, I get saved. We got saved. And the next thing you know, okay, I need to start journaling. Okay, I need to start a Bible reading plan. Okay, I need to read this book. Okay, I need to start serving. Okay, I need to start giving. Okay, I need to start doing this. I need to start leading a team. I need to start leading a circle. I need to start a connect group. And what begins to happen is without us knowing, it becomes Jesus plus a few other things equals everything. And, and, and so what I need us to understand is that, and I want to read this uh, because, because what we begin to do is Jesus plus these other things too makes my faith work. And I want to read Romans 1 again. Remember, we read from 16. I want to read just two verses, 16, 17. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Remember, I've already established in the last two uh, uh, points of mine that the gospel he's talking about is grace. For I'm not ashamed of the grace of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation who believes for the Jew first and also the Greek. Now check out verse 17. For in it... For in what? In grace. For in it, the grace, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as, as, it, as it is written, the, the just shall live by faith. Now what is Paul saying? Paul is saying that grace is powerful, but in grace you will find righteousness. Let's talk about righteousness because I don't want to just assume that everybody knows what that word means. Righteousness is literally nothing but right standing with God. In other words, we were all born sinners. We were all born to uh, die. And if we did not put our faith in Jesus to go to hell, we were all condemned to death. Uh, not, just, uh, not just temporal death, but eternal death. But what righteousness does is righteousness puts us in right standing with God. Now the thing is, righteousness is not my righteousness. It's not because I did some good thing that I am in right standing with God. What's made me righteous is Jesus. Now we are all like, everybody's like, yeah, amen, pastor, preach it, I'm with you. And that is where we begin. But somewhere along the journey, it moves from the righteousness of grace, the righteousness of Jesus to my righteousness. Yeah. So every day it's, am I in right standing with God? Does God still approve of me? Is God still okay with the way I'm doing things? Am I, I, I you know, and, and it, without me knowing, it's, a, it's, an, it's an invisible 
unseen transfer in the equation of life that begins to happen. And I find that Jesus puts me in right standing with God, but somewhere along the journey, it becomes about me trying to make me right with God. And that becomes really painful. And I find that even people that struggle with identity, if you have an identity crisis, it's mostly, it's mostly not an identity crisis, it's a righteousness crisis. And, and I want to now quote a very popular scripture that no matter how long you've been in church, you've heard the scripture and it's Matthew 6 verse 33. And some of you know, as, I'm gonna, as these words are going to come out of my mouth, I can feel the church on Zoom in Dubai is going to like roar right now as I'm saying this, uh, because we know all the spiritual people are in Dubai. Uh, Matthew 6, 33, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. The problem is we quote it, but I think this is how we read it. Seek first the kingdom of God, that's salvation, and then your righteousness. See, it was never about seeking my righteousness. It was about seeking His righteousness. And in our pursuit of getting all these things, we begin to seek our own righteousness. Am I giving okay? Am I reading okay? Am I praying okay? Am I fasting okay? See, grace, the true work of grace, is not the outworking of my righteousness. The true work of grace is the outworking of Jesus' righteousness that is now inside of me. I fast not because I need to fast. I fast because grace has empowered me to fast. I give not because I need to give. I give because grace has empowered me to give. I serve not because I need to serve. I serve because grace has empowered me to serve. So here's what I'm trying to say. Jesus plus nothing equals everything but I want to reverse that because I believe someone's going to catch this right now and what that also means is Jesus plus anything equals nothing yeah. see here's the thing with God God says you have all of me or you have none of me Jesus plus anything becomes eventually becomes nothing and I want to encourage us to be people that will fall upon, land upon the grace of God. And when we begin to seek His righteousness, in fact, this is what I'm trying to say, the pursuit of God's righteousness is not a one-time step, but a lifelong invitation. Every day I need to go back and fall back and lean back on the grace of God. It's not a one-time, oh, thank you for the grace, and I'll take care of everything else. No, 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 no. And that's what when Jesus spoke to the church, He said, you need to return to your first love. He was not saying, you need to work out all these things. He was saying, no, no, no. You need to return to the first place where you found me, to the first place of your first grace, to the first place where you saw my righteousness, and all of a sudden becomes powerful. And, 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 and so I just want to encourage you as you're watching, because maybe you're here and you're like, what do I need to do? And maybe you don't have a relationship with God. Friend, I want you to start this journey right. Not by, and I've heard this over and over where people say, uh, I'm not right or I don't have it together. I need to do this and X amount of things and then I'll come to God. No, no, no. Jesus plus nothing. If you feel you've done nothing, if you feel your worth is nothing, if you feel like you're at the bottom of the barrel called nothing, that's when Jesus makes perfect sense. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And I believe all of us collectively and for all of us to just sort of align our hearts once again to not seek my righteousness, not seek your righteousness, but to seek His righteousness. Why don't we pray, Father? 
I thank you for this powerful word. Lord, so many times we forget the power of the gospel, the power of grace. And it makes sense why Paul said, I'm not ashamed because it's embarrassing because I literally bring nothing to the table and I'm not ashamed of the fact that I am nothing and I bring nothing. And because of that, I receive the power of your grace, the power of of the gospel, the power of Jesus. And I pray for every person that's put their faith in you, that's realigning their trust in you. And I pray God that you do your work in us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching. And I'm just believing that this has been a powerful message. I want you to come back next week. Don't do anything else. Make sure your your schedule's all ready for next week because I believe you're going to finish this thing and God's going to speak to you in a powerful way. God bless you.